Welcome to the Shaman Jessica podcast where I share all about my work as a shaman. These episodes are purely based on my own experiences and perspectives and never a substitute for medical advice. Let's begin our journey. Greetings, girl, and welcome to my world of phrase and right life to that. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. And today I want to address this very broad very strong tendency that we see in society going on about fluidity and appropriation. And I also want to talk about how this, in my personal perspective, pertains to shamanism or appropriation of very ancient lineages of work and how these terms are kind of thrown around today. So what we see is that society is becoming more fluid in many different ways. And this is, I'm going to start out by saying something controversial, because what we're talking about here are the most sensitive, sensitive subjects ever. And I'm not even talking about veganism or ayahuasca. I'm talking about things like BLM, um, cultural appropriation, Um, the acknowledgement of indigenous cultures and gender fluidity. So I think gender fluidity is a very good example, but it's so much broader than that. So what you even see is kind of the promotion of very large age gaps in relationships or open relationships. There's this whole movement now around sexuality, this third wave of feminism, where everything is kind of becoming this big mesh where we used to have in society these strong pillars and the family was the most important one. And now, and of course, with the family, you then had, you know, your political stance, which was very black and white. You had your religion, which was either one, you know, you were either Protestant or Catholic or Episcopalian or maybe you're a Buddhist, but it wasn't like now you have people like trying every different thing in their life. People are exploring, you know, their sexuality in a very fluid way. So it's like we come from generations that were kind of specific in terms of the boxes that they lived in. And I think that that is a bad thing and it's also a good thing, but I'll get into that later. And now we are entering this whole abyss of fluidity in many ways, which is a very interesting phenomenon. And I think that that too is good and bad to get straight into the point because, you know, when we're doing spiritual warfare, you know, when we're doing spiritual warfare, (laughs) in spiritual warfare, there are principalities, belial, negative, demonic entities that have strongholds on the earth around specific topics. Big ones are industry, finance, politics, you name it. They're as the same way that there are angels governing and protecting uh, specific, let's say, you know, chunks of the population. There are also principalities governing them as well as places. And Baphomet, which I'm sure is a demonic, very high like principality. And I say hi with a grain of salt because a demonic entity is a demonic entity. And I like to compare them more to, let's say, parasites or maybe a different non-threatening 
less intimidating um, thing, word, term. This podcast is unscripted as always, so bear with me while I'm figuring out the English words for the Dutch ones that I have in my head. But what you need to know is that Baphomet governs this whole fluidity thing. And this also is the transgender movement. And personally, I am all for doing whatever you feel is natural to you. So I have friends who are gay. I have friends who are bi. Um, I'm completely open in that area myself. So this is not judgment on um, anyone, whether your sexuality, ethnicity, whatever you want to adhere to. If you want to put pronouns in your Instagram bio or not, that's not what we're talking about. My job is to open up your consciousness and disclose uh, things about spiritual warfare that are affecting our reality and especially the things that are very much pushed on us in the mainstream media. So, for example, you know that the rainbow flag is the flag of the, I think, is it the transgender, the LGBTQ movement? And what is quite interesting is that this is also the flag of, um, let's say, Luciferianism, because it's white light that is then fractured, so it's broken into the spectrum of the rainbow. So this symbol has a lot to do with programming and with acknowledging uh, entities who are served. And this all goes very deep into ancient sex magic, which then you know t uses basically anal sex as a way to summon these strongholds, etc. No, I'm not saying that everyone who is gay or transgender has entity possession or is wrong, which is where that whole Christian idea comes from, where, you know, being gay is condemned and people are going to be sent to like conversion camp and stuff like that. I am not talking about that. That is not my stance at all. But I do want to talk about the whole spiritual dynamics that is going on behind the movements and how they are pushed. So these movements become institutions in themselves that are essentially not so much serving that community. Although I know that there are also amazing programs, amazing people in it that do really great work. But a lot of those institutions in themselves also serve other agendas. And when it comes to Baphomet and him, his principality over the world, it is very much governing that fluid area where you see also a lot of celebrities who now have gender fluid children and are very much pushing that as a um, way to be. And I think that the censorship around that at the same time, which is kind of the opposite energy of this whole open fluid meshing thing, this very strong censorship where you cannot say in some states, even that someone is biologically male or female, right? So I think with Jordan Peterson, this very popular philosopher, this was also what got him so famous because he was very outspoken about that topic. 
So essentially my stance is everyone should do whatever they want. Just try and choose source and the light as much as you can and be aware of spiritual warfare and also express yourself. Everyone should be able to express themselves. I am totally against any type of censorship. But what I find interesting is that a lot of these movements, whether it is this fluid movement or BLM and or this new wave of feminism is that I do have a problem with these movements, the institutions around them, because what they do is re-victimize those people that are a part of them because they're exploiting and using those people for their own agenda, which is not only political and or financial. I don't know if I can say this on here, but it is already like open and proven that a lot of the proceeds of BLM actually just went into the political lobbying campaign of a certain person. And you can use this little bit of very vague info to do some more research for yourself. But these movements and the organizations built around them and the way that they're pushed are not supportive at all. They're actually quite exploitive in themselves because they're not only financial, they also come at very calculated times very much often as distraction and then there's this is the exact spiritual warfare strategy that these principalities use is distraction creating chaos and fear and separating people and that is what you see happening so recently i had a friend point out to me that it would be better if on my podcast episodes i would start by acknowledging the indigenous original ancestors and owners of the land here in Australia, which didn't offend me at all or in any way. I mean, I don't usually take like criticism on how to do my job anyway, but I don't do it consciously wherever it's online or, you know, on podcasts or lives or whatever. First of all, because it's so specific to Australia, that people in other countries don't really have a frame of reference for this at all. Then there's the other point where all of my content is completely unscripted. And I am also new to this country. I come from the Netherlands, which has their own very problematic colonial history. And so do all countries because either you are a perpetrator or you're a victim of colonization and there are very few that are neutral in this in the first place so with these types of acknowledgements whether it's putting um, the let's say original indigenous names of the land where you live and this is all very much prevalent on social media as well but you will see in classes that you take or uh, on the news that they will do this little spiel about acknowledging the true owners of the land or people have BLM, you know, very much out there. And I think that 
although, you know, self-expression and free self-expression is the most important thing and something I do all the time, when you're using external institutions to kind of validate your identity even or your political stances, you're actually very much giving your power away because you're feeding into division. So then you're going to point out to people that don't have it, that they need to do it. Um, it's almost like an implicit condemning of people who don't partake in those movements. Those movements, you're feeding your energy into. You Every time that you say those things, I'm not talking about acknowledging the original owners of land, but when you're constantly reinforcing these institutions in people's consciousness, it feeds into further division and it gives more power to the principalities who govern them, which are not always good. Principalities in inherently, in their definition, are not good. And I just feel like it is such a dangerous thing, in fact, because when you see everywhere that you go, every, let's say, formal ceremony, even the yoga classes you take, and they start out with acknowledging um, those things, you know, I, f I see the indigenous thing as kind of separate because... I, that is a thing that's close to my heart and I have to be very careful about what I say in the first place about all of these topics and where my frustration comes from is actually the fact that nothing is being done for these people really in reality so there is still the same friend that told me you know, that I should probably do this on my podcast. She was also the one to inform me that the police actually can put Australian, let's say like Caucasian Australian citizens into juvenile detention when they're 16 or maybe even older. But for indigenous kids, it's 12. And there's a lot of really messed up things like that going on. You hardly even see... Um, original Australians where I live because this whole, you know, central Sydney beaches area is completely overtaken and populated by white people because it's very expensive, which also shows that the socioeconomic disparities are just kept in place. And all of these people live in the, you know, kind of like the bad areas of town where there's a lot of police brutality and they're locked into suppression in institutional ways. And when we acknowledge them over and over in this repetition that's almost mind control, and I actually want to say that I think that it, that it is real mind control, especially in the media, because these are the tactics that they use, just repeat things over and over again. That's why TV is called programming. What you do is kind of brainwash people into thinking that this problem is taken care of, which I think is a very dangerous thing. It's kind of like this little security blanket or a cop-out for having to do real work and real reparations in these areas. So this is my main problem that I have with this. So this example aside, what you see with BLM 
is that it happens every four years, right before the elections. It divides people. It is an excellent tool to make um, an elected president or a candidate look really bad because then they're forced by the mainstream population that feeds into this stuff to acknowledge it in a certain way, which makes people look away from, might I say, even more important structural problems like human trafficking and what is being done with the kids. So all of these movements are very opportunistic and what they do is distract us, divide us, and they give more power to the principalities that govern them. And that is how they take a stronghold on the earth because what they always do is mask themselves as something good. And it's to throw people off. It means that you have to be very discerning to see through it. And it also means that if you then really voice the truth about these things, people are going to villainize you and demonize you, which I'm sure a lot of you listeners are going to do with me after hearing this episode, which, fine by me, I think that these topics are too important to not talk about. So when I talk about the things that are being done to kids, I have to be very careful about what I say on these types of platforms, but I think most of you know. And the things that are keeping this infrastructure in place, the institutions, are mostly the ones who are supposed to stand up and protect these um, very, very fragile and um, unprotected demographics in our society. And that is how they mask themselves. So that is a whole bag of cats in itself, that subject. But this is how I feel about most of those movements. So I feel like this is a whole topic in itself. And in the next episode, I'll go deeper into how this all pertains to shamanism and let's say, calling yourself a shaman, appropriating a very ancient term or job. And see you in the next episode.